This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. In this episode, we talk a lot about the city of Nashville. And guess what? William Mitchell Audio is based in Nashville. Is it a coincidence? Or something more? Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Dominic Baker. Dominic Baker has been an influential figure in the cultures of skateboarding, music, and art for over 20 years. Dominic has been a member of over more than 15 bands and is currently the lead singer of the Blacklight Velvets. And he's been a great friend of mine for over 20 years as well. What's up, Dominic? Woo-hoo. What's up? It's great to be on your show, man. <laughs> it's great to have you, dude. I'm glad to have you uh, right here at the beginning, man, where it's kind of like at the beginning of the revolution, dude. You're the perfect guest to have on, man. I know, man. I know. I want to give a shout out to Black Lives Matters, man, and like everyone who supports them. It's, it's, uh, it's a hell of a time to be alive, man. Just uh, like for people that I've known for a long time, but someone that's been speaking about revolution and being a radical for a long time, that's cool that, because this, this wasn't planned, man. Like we like, this wasn't like a before, you know, or an afterthought. We're like, oh, hey, revolutionary shit is happening. Let's, let's do our thing. It's like we had already planned this uh, podcast like weeks in advance. Yeah, right. Right. And it just, just kind of happened. And it's, it's funny because like, I think that our generation has been like actually preparing for this for our, our whole lives, like this drastic change. And it's happening. And we just got to roll with it man. hang, hang, you know, hang with the punches, man. And, I remember just a couple months ago, it. I was thinking, I was like, dude, is there going to be a revolution happening ever? <laughs> right. Like, and then bam, dude, out of nowhere. I remember I was at the I was down at the protest, and then like I was like, "This is cool, this is cool," and then it just got insane, and I was like, "Okay, it just started," <laughs> or that for me, that's where it felt like it it really just started. Yeah, I know it's it's kind of like uh, Minneapolis kind of set the stage for that. Um, and Luna and I, we actually took a bike ride downtown, and we saw the beginning of it, and sort of being like a hermit. These days, I kind of was like, ah, I don't know if we should do this. Yeah. Let's, let's leave. Well, uh, how old is Luna now, too? In my mind, there were so many people. And, and it's great. It's great to see those people. Uh, but it's just, for, for, for being a parent, you, you kind of don't want to put your child in a situation like that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I was asking. Uh, how, weird. Uh, how old is Luna now? She's 10. Yeah. It, I mean, it did get wild, too. Like, yeah. when it got, like, when they, like, when the people started, like, fighting the cops and shit, like, not a good time to have a 10 year old with you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's scary, but it's also, uh, man, it's, it's invigorating. So, uh, to be honest, man, I definitely, uh, brought you on also just to tell a lot of stories. And I, I put my first question right at the, at the front because it doesn't really connect to anything else that I'm going to ask you. So I thought we would just like shoot this one out of the way because it's a good story. And I think it's funny. And you tell it well. So uh, I'm just going to hand it okay. over. I'm going to shoot this question out, hand it over to you, and then we'll move on. But uh, can you tell me the story about the time uh, you were on a reality TV show with Carmen Electra and Dave Navarro? Yeah. Okay. Dave Navarro was never part of it. That was kind of like uh, it's one of those things that I ran into him. Uh, oh. Basically, 
kind of all started. I'm sitting at the uh, bar at Jackson's in Hillsborough Village, and these people came up to me and they were like, "Hey, do you want to be a model?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool. That sounds great." Because at the time, Jackson's really sucked. I didn't want to be a cook or anything like that. So I was like, "Yeah, like give me like five hundred dollars. Hell yeah, fly me to L.A. Hell yeah." So they gave me a bunch of cash. They flew me to L.A. Um, I thought it was going to be like a whole like go to Milan, Italy, and wear suits. And it just it it wasn't it wasn't that. It was kind of like uh, let's let's be an underwear model kind of uh, competition. Yeah. And basically, I was in the point in my life where I guess I was like drinking a lot <laughs> and skating a, <laughs> a whole lot, and just kind of rebellion. They wanted us to stay in the hotels. They put us in like a five-star hotel on Sunset. They wanted us to stay in the hotels, go work at work out at this one place. And it took me like maybe four or five days before I even like got to go to the place to work out. And when I was sitting there working, or, hold on, hold on. Actually, I ended up working out with Dave Navarro. It was pretty crazy because I've been a longtime fan of his. Jane's Addiction is awesome. And today's actually his birthday. Oh, crazy. Uh, 53 yeah um i mean it's just one of those things that like never meet your idols (laughs) because honestly okay here here i am like signing into this gym and i got my headphones out and i've got like this one local band called on command blasting through my headphones and i'm signing up signing all these waivers and dave navarro walks up to my right and he signs his name in he's like what's up man what you listening to? He's all amped up, all LA, like not wearing a shirt, of course. And I'm like, I'm listening to this band. And he puts in the, the headphones and he's like, man, this rips. He's like, taps me on the shoulder. He's like, let's go work out. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I'm 6'4", and he's got to be like 5'1", 5'2", I don't know. But he, oh, was damn, tight, I know but he was he was ripped. He was built. I've never worked out like that in my life. I was in so much pain. Um, he he reminded me of like a bonomo like monkey. He was just like just uh, just ripping up weights and just just come on, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's go have a cigarette outside. I'm like, okay, it's Dave Navarro. Um, I was just kind of like in shock and awe the whole time. And this is during the time like he was dating Carmen Electra. And the next day, we didn't know who the host was, and she walks out as Carmen Electra. I'm like, oh, wow, awesome. She's actually pretty cool. She's dropping F-bombs and, like, all this stuff, you know? Like, she's really, 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 like, kind of down to earth. Um, but when the camera's on her, she's really professional. The whole thing is is that reality TV is just basically an edited script. They'll say, hey, like, it's like me saying, Doug, what are you about? And you'd be like, all right, I do this podcast, blah, 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 all this stuff. You're like, well, let's shorten that. This person said this about you. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, fuck that person, blah, blah, blah. And they would just edit to where it makes you sound like a fucking asshole, really. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's, it's, it's manipulative. It's really, it's, it's, it wasn't my thing. Um, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel, but I left every night. I would go to Venice Beach. I ran into the casting and the crew. And they were like, hey, Dom, you're not supposed to be here. I'm like, I know, but I'm here anyway. They're like, I know, come on in. And I kind of I kinda got the, like, the download of what happens. Basically, the whole casting of our show would do casting. They worked uh, with NBC, 
for like two weeks and then they would work for Fox. Then they would work for Bravo, I think was part of NBC, uh, CBS. So basically, they did the casting for everyone, every reality TV show. That was like the same crew casting all the shows? Yeah. And all the people that I was with that got cut, I would see them on like an MTV dating show. It's really weird. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of funny because all they want is like charismatic people, uh, numbers to show their bosses. Yeah. So they put me in a rotation of like different shows. I, told, I basically told them, I was like, this show ain't for me. <laughs> what happened is I, I kind of got a really, really bad taste. I came back from Venice Beach. I spent two hours in the bus getting there and like ended up getting like uh, pretty hammered with some friends that I met there and like go back to the hotel, kind of, you know, one of those day drinking things. And I was like, oh shit, I have these meetings. And one of the meetings involved the executive producer and they're banging on my door. <laughs> and basically they ended up getting the key to walk in and I was in the shower. They walk, I come out naked and, and the, the guy, the executive producer, he's just like, Hey, what's going on? Where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. Aren't you sexy? And I'm just like, Oh God, this ain't for me. This is not good. And I ended up like going out that night and talking to one of the uh, producers, Quentin. It was really nice. I was like, Hey man, like I got to get out of here. This ain't for me. And he was like, cool. We're just going to cut you on. Like we're gonna let you go on TV. Is that cool? I'm like, yeah, cool. So Carmen Electra, like we start shooting. Uh, Carmen Electra calls my name. She cuts me. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm out of here. Uh, they flew me back to Nashville and then they called me back later. Actually, I think I went to Hawaii. I moved to Hawaii and they called me and said, hey, do you want to come to LA and do another thing? And that's, it was kind of like a back and forth thing because basically like, the casting uh, was working on another show and they, hadn't, they needed a, the numbers to be filled. They had a cast more people and so i was only like on like 30 seconds of that show so they called me back gave me 500 bucks to walk around la it was pretty dope but at the same time reality tv is not where it's at yeah dude uh man there's one part of that story that you left out that i just is my favorite part which is like because you uh because you were a skateboarder and they were trying to like sell that as part of your persona and yes. then, like didn't like one of the yes. props guys like go to Walmart and buy a fucking shitty Walmart skateboard and give it to you. And he was like, Hey, just like ride this. And then just roll up and be like, Hey, what's up? My name's Dominic. I skate. No. <laughs> Actually what happened is that like I was in the hotel and they're like, you need to do your part. I'm like, cool. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go up to the store and just get some liquor. And I went up to the store and got some liquor and I skated down uh, sunset. Like LA is like really hilly. And I'm flying down, and they're outside the hotel waiting for me. There's like a whole camera crew, like <laughs> booms, cameras, everything. And they're waiting for me, and I've got a blow pop. And I think I've got like a ball, yeah, I've got a ball of liquor and like a pack of smokes. And they're like, hey, can you do that again? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I do it again. And it's kind of like the whole thing, like, tell me about yourself. Like, I pop the skateboard, I tell them, like, hey, I'm Dominic, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, can you do it again? But just say this. Uh, so it ended up like them editing me to saying, hi, my name is Dominic. I skate, I rock, and I model. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really cheesy. 
<laughs> but it was, it was pretty hilarious. I'm so bummed that never, like I don't think that got on TV because if it did, dude, that's like that should be on YouTube, man. Oh yeah, uh, if, if it's something Thank I can God. find, dude, I'm gonna Thank put it God. in the in the show, show notes. So show. Can... Yeah, like this is right before YouTube started. Yeah, yeah, for Thank sure, man. God. <laughs> yeah, no, we did really, so dude. we did so much stuff like back in the early 2000s, early <laughs> 90s, like that if like social media existed like how it does today, we would be we'd be screwed. We'd be in jail. Dude, we'd be crucified and in jail if if they had yeah. if like if we had to deal with what kids today have to deal with. God, man. So I was gonna say uh we both came up skateboarding and making music in Nashville, but it's become a really different place and people wouldn't even recognize it from the way it used to be. Like if you had left for a while and came back, you would not recognize the city. And I was gonna ask you uh what do you miss most about old Nashville? I think the community um, where you could just go to shows and just see uh, just all your friends, a shit ton of people. Um, and you just get it from a flyer. It wouldn't be from a text or anything like, uh, like today is just completely different. Like even, even like the, what I called uh, spring water, the CBGBs of the South. Uh, it's just a punk place, but, you walk in there and it's different now. I mean, not, not today because of the pandemic and the quarantine, but you walk in there and it's just like, who are these people? What's going on? This band is kind of crabby. The fuck, you know, like when I was in LA, I would go to the Viper room and hear just really, really bad music. And I would miss Nashville. I'd be like, wow, Nashville is the place for music. Um, Cause you have artists like Dave cloud, trauma team just all these old bands that were just very influential and and now like it's it's just it's completely different it's it's a whole different business and people all want to come here and be at the next jack white that's dude i honestly mean like I, when i wrote that question like i didn't even think about what my answer would be but when you said that i was like oh that is the thing because like i remember used to, used to be able to like uh any night of the week you could dip to like the gold rush or spring water or a place like that and you'd run into like a hundred people yeah there was, really, there was like a community and there's like a huge music scene yeah it was awesome it's just you know like you and i we used to skate and just roll downtown and just kind of like hit different spots and go to five different shows one would be a rap show would be a metal show one be a punk show um go to the muse hang out there for 24 hours <laughs> yeah. you know and see, and see everything <laughs> And you don't have that anymore. Like it's gone. It's it's dead. It's like the muse is at Domino's right now. It's Domino's Pizza. It's yeah. horrible. I know that is so tragic. And it's for people that are like not in Nashville and no, don't know what we're talking about. The muse was like this super punk rock. Like uh, it was a crazy music video. Like the cops would show up all the time. I got robbed at the parking lot there at Shotgun Point. But I mean, like, oh wow. You know, Oh yeah, it was yeah. gnarly, dude. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, and that's like that's not a, a happy story, but the thing was, yeah. Now it's a it's a fucking Domino's Pizza, and it used to be like an iconic music venue. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, dude, I went there one time, like I think at nine in the morning, and I think I was like skating all night, maybe with you. And I went there at nine in the morning, haven't slept, hung out with like a prostitute for maybe 24 hours we saw a dj we saw a metal band we saw a punk rock show and just had the time of our lives never met this chick in my life and then she was like yeah i'm a prostitute i'm like awesome cool whatever 
I'm me, you know, like, <laughs> let's just party and hang out. Yeah, it was just that, that the music was kind of like that kind of place, you know, you could go see hip hop, metal. Yeah, hop, yeah I, uh, I went there, you know, like I would go and like, you'd, yeah, you would see like the gnarliest metal band. And then like the next night, like I went uh, and saw MC Chris from Aqua Team oh, yeah. Force. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it, didn't he do Lovage? Uh, I don't I know wrong? if he's related with, uh, with them, dude. I just know he he did the theme song to Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and that's what kind of made his name. Yeah, he was the meatball, right? Right, uh, he was the meatball. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he, I don't know if he, yeah, he just did like the whole like. <laughs> but I don't know. This is a long time ago. Yeah, he did, like, I think the, I've, I've seen him like at accident and like a couple other times, maybe with you. But yeah, like you and I, we, we've 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 piled around and went to many different shows and a lot of them are like really i can't remember <laughs> uh but yeah skate life dragon park kids uh speaking of some old national shit and this just kind of came to mind uh but uh man do you remember there was that dude uh he murdered his wife but like they uh, he was able to get the case dismissed because they never found the body oh and my he, god and he escaped yeah. to mexico and i remember yes. when this was all going Very down harsh. and and you told me that you used to play soccer with him and you were like, dude, and you were trying to tell yes. me, you're like, you were like, you were like, that dude is guilty. That dude's a that psychopath. Dude I know he did it. Even though police, the police had to let him go because there was no evidence. But, uh, yeah, for, for all those who are listening, Perry March, uh, you should look yeah, Perry up. March. That was a crazy, crazy situation because, okay. Like I was a camp counselor at the JCC. Um, I grew up in Bellevue, a lot of Jewish families, uh, the Jewish community center was there. Uh, Perry March, uh, you play pickup soccer. Um, but yeah, he would rage. He would rage and just like, if yeah, somebody would miss a goal, he would just like rip his shirt off like the incredible Hulk and just scream like, ah, you know, in a, in a pickup like, soccer game What's up with this dude, you know, like we're all like 16 or 17 stoners, like trying to like just kick it and play soccer. And this dude was way too serious. And <laughs> I ended up like, uh, being a counselor for, for his kids, and I met Janet March many times. I spoke to her; she was beautiful, tall, like just really sweet. And our kids were really sweet. I remember uh, Sammy; uh, he was one of my camp kids. And he was just like he just had this kind of like innocence about him. And when all this shit came out in the news, I was like, "Wow, Perry March did it! I know he did." And then I think like uh, it kind of fell out of the news and it came back like two years later like i think he just got his dad or something to like kill somebody or i don't know they hired oh, dude, somebody I, I remember the story so like the police or the or the fbi uh found the body and so they went and they he had fled to mexico and they went down there and they extradited him and i feel like there wasn't there still wasn't quite enough evidence to necessarily nail him but while he was in jail he tried to hire a hitman to go after the uh to kill the levines yeah yeah to kill the the, the yeah. parents of his wife yeah Jan, but the Janet but the hitman yeah. was a ci and he fucking yes. and he snitched him out to the police yes and so he went wow. down for conspiracy to murder yeah i'm glad they fucking busted him man and then i think like yeah him and his dad uh like oh man yeah his dad died in, in prison i think like two or three years ago but Perry he March, was involved. He was involved in the conspiracy to uh, hire yeah. the hitman. Yeah, he, I think he was like the carrier of the money or whatever. He had the briefcase, you know, millions of dollars. But yeah, that's that was that was wild. That was so wild, man. And like when she, they couldn't find her body. I was like, yeah, 
that dude did it for real, man. Like we all knew, everyone knew, especially in the Jewish community. Yeah, I remember. I just remember like when that all went down, and you were the first one to be like, "Dude, I played soccer with that guy. He fucking did it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was wild. All right, but hey, fuck that guy, man. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Black some more Perry, old Nashville yeah. uh, like legends, man. Uh, like, and let's talk about somebody cool. Uh, let's talk about Big Chocolate, man. Oh wow! All right, here's a story about Big Chocolate, man. His his real name is uh, Shannon Gillespie, and uh, he was uh, I think what like the step cousin or whatever grand third five cousins of uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah, he was somehow know. related to the famous musician Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah, well, we used to skate, and he was uh he was like he was pro, right? He was a pro skater. He, he was on Thrasher magazine, right? Yeah, he had been uh, he had been pro like in the, in the early '90s in Chicago. Early '90s, okay, yeah. Yeah, but he also was in a, a car wreck, and it kind of spun him out, I guess. Like, you could actually see, like, the scarring on his head. He was, in, he was in a, a freeway wreck. He almost wreck died. A, he almost died. A, 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 a hubcap went through the windshield and, and hit him in the head. That's what happened to his brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But So, like, yeah, Shannon, or a.k.a. Big Chocolate, man. Oh, my God, dude. He was a trip, dude. He was, uh you couldn't really go anywhere with him, but I kind of have like a soft like spot in my heart for like the insane people, you know, like it's kind of like one of those things like, you know, we're all skating and he shows up. Right. And, and he's like, Hey, what's up guys? I don't even know. I can't even do his voice because he liked to talk like Eddie Murphy. Um, but yeah, uh, big chocolate, man. He was a nut. Great guy. He had a great heart. Um, that's why I actually do love him. Um, one of the, the funniest stories is that he could not uh, get a couch out of his house. Or not even, sorry, he wasn't even a house. He was like in an old folks home. And he lived at the, on the ninth floor. Um, he actually, his, <laughs> his number was 911. It's perfect. So he couldn't, get out, he couldn't get his couch out. And he, so he threw it out the balcony. And it landed on the transformer and blew the transformer up. And remember, he lives at an old folks home. So the power went out. All these people died. And he was <laughs> thrown out of the curb. That's, that's big chocolate. And he also would put baby oil on curbs, which was really, really just bad. Just, you know, he thought, like, for some reason, uh, baby oil would make it slicker to grind on rails and curbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, like, maybe, like, how, like how I met him because uh, – I was out skating and I was like, I was with like, like the crew. I don't know. If, I don't think you were there the day that I met big chocolate, but we were all out skating and, he, and he's kind of a big dude and he rolled yeah. up and he's like, and he had a skateboard. And like at that time in my life, like if I met someone and they had a skateboard, they were instantly my friend. I didn't, you know, no questions. Absolutely. asked. And he was like, what's up? And he introduced himself as big chocolate. Like, I don't know if he gave that nickname to himself or he had it for a while from somebody else. And I was like, cool, man, let's skate. And he was actually, it was crazy. Cause he was pulling out all these old school tricks. Cause you know, he was, he was a little bit older and he'd been pro like at a time when they, people were still doing like lots of old school shit. Yeah. 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 He would call like nollies, like uh, I think like Chinese ollies because like, I think the nollie was invented on like hitting a, like a crack in the, the sidewalk to where you just pop like, just like how, how you pop like a nollie. Yeah. And he was just like, ah, oh, Chinese ollie. <laughs> he would just like throw out some like random old school names. But uh, yeah, I remember like, uh, and he was like, he was doing some shit, but I was like, man, this guy seems crazy because he would repeat himself all the time because he had like that groundhog mm -hmm. syndrome. So he would forget that he said something to you like five minutes later, he'd say it again. 
And then yeah, he was fun again. He was fun and like uh, just kind of like this like, like psychosis of craziness, which was like it got old, but at the same time, like it was kind of like you understood and like I don't know, I thought it was kind of beautiful. I mean, um, I thought he was a great guy. It just he loved the skate. He was a believer, and dude. Oh my god, he, he could shred. Uh, I I think I played a show with him. Uh, he he played like uh, like he would shred guitar like Dimebag Daryl. I remember but that. he could not. He could not. He could not play like an, like an A chord or a, or any chords. He didn't know how to like uh, process that. It's kind of like the whole Albert Einstein could do like quantum physics, but forgot where he lived. So he painted his door red to remember where he lived. He kind of had that that mentality. It was pretty fascinating. You meet a lot of crazy people skating. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I remember like so like yeah, we met him and like. At that time, you would always meet some dude who'd be like 10 years older. That's like, oh, I used to be pro. And, you know, 100% of the time, people are bullshitting you. They weren't fucking pro. You know, yeah. uh, he was like, yo, come back to my crib. And we went back with him to his like crazy ass because he lived in that, yeah, that assisted living home. And uh, yeah, he lived, yeah, like, yeah. He had the stack of Thrasher magazines. <laughs> he pulled one out and he's like, check it out, man. This is the magazine I'm in. And I was like, holy shit, he wasn't lying, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It, it was so wild. And he was so kind, too. Like, I think he gave me, like, like 10 skate videos. Um, I think I still have one of them. It's the shortest Fulfill Your Dream video. He gave that to me. I, I cherish it. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, and he was a- addicted to cookies, man. Oh, I love cookies. I love cookies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, I never saw wow. that. And the crazy thing was, he was in Dating really good board. shape, man. He was, like, like, he looked like an athlete. But I never saw that dude eat real food once. And all the time I knew him, I never saw him <laughs> eat anything that wasn't a cookie. I know. He loved junk food, man. He was, he was just cut. It was great. It was great. Um, actually, uh, I thought about him not too long ago, maybe like a year ago. And I found a YouTube of him in Atlanta walking up straight up to this dude saying, Yo, what's up? I'm Big Chocolate. And I think the guy posted it as Big Chocolate. And oh, cool. I was like, wow, Shannon has not changed. He's the same. Um, you're still crazy. Wow. Uh, just kind of repeating the same things and doing his Eddie Murphy voice and like shaming his board and eating cookies. And yeah. Yeah, but it's, I want to just, cool. I want to let the, the listeners know, no, like just, just so it doesn't sound tragic, man. Uh, he was a, like a happy dude at all times. And he did find like a good woman. They did get married. He's all right. You know, it's not like he, Man, he was still, he is totally happy. He was so cool. I yeah. loved him. Yeah, we like he was part of the crew. You know, we embraced him. Like we had to, you know, be like, hey, you know, quit hitting on her. And he'd be like, okay, okay. You know, like I, I think like uh like like I said, you know, like like I have a soft spot for like people who have like a really big heart, even though they're kind of like messed up in the head and their wiring is off. But he loved to skate. And you do get a lot of people that are like, hey, yo, what I'll skate let me see your skateboard and they try to do a kickflip and they're like hold on and they just leave you know yeah he was like i used to skate and he he skated with us for like months or maybe years you know he was around for at least two years man yeah he was he was a figure in dragon parts hold up it's time for an ad you've probably already heard that nashville is the number one destination for bachelorette parties in the united states move over las vegas 
But were you aware that Nashville is now the number one destination for the cuckolds and hot wives king? Hot wives, get your hot wives, gather round, cuckold step right up. That's right. My Views Are My Own podcast is providing a service for married couples to come to Nashville and get cuckolded to their heart's content. Hot wives, get your hot wives here, cuckold step right up. The My Views Are My Own podcast Cuckolds and Hot Wives tent will be located next to the Snow Cones and Dippin' Dots vendors at the next Country Music Association Awards Festival. Now back to the interview. Okay, real quick. This is just like another like doing a story, man. Uh, this isn't an old Nashville story because we left town. This is just kind of a you and me story, but it is an old story. Uh, can we talk about that time that we drove to St. Louis to hang out with the train hopper girls? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I vaguely remember just, it. just some of the highlights, man. Not the whole story. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. I mean, like, I, I remember you were kind of pissed, like after like, I got I like, how did I meet these people? Like, there were squatters. Yeah, there were squatters from Hawaii. It's kind of funny how like Hawaii comes back into the the whole situation because you and I went to Hawaii, and I think this is kind of after we came back from Hawaii. I met this girl like online on hotternot.com. <laughs> she looked like Angelina Jolie, but she was like a punk rock chick. I was like, yes, score. Um, but I guess, yeah, she was a I want to interject real quick that yeah. uh, at this time in my life, like if you showed up to my house and you were like, yo man, do you want to go on an adventure? I would, I would always say, hell yeah. And you were basically like, yo, do you want to go to St. Louis and meet some like punk rock chicks I found on the internet? And I was like, yeah, let's drive to St. Louis. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it yeah, was we, we drove up to like a poetry slam that ended up ending i don't even remember i remember like being stuck in a hotel like the most ghetto hotel that was across the river and a pimp would pull up in his cadillac every 10 minutes and honk his horn and a prostitute would come out and give him money and then like that would happen every 10 minutes and you're like dude we gotta go and i was like hold on man i kind of like this chick you're like dude we gotta go and then like, I was like, fuck it, fine. We left. Um, I ended up running into that chick. Uh, do you remember when we went to Hawaii, we skated in Chinatown, a really pretty skate park? Yeah, I'll never forget. Okay, yeah. So I'm at that skate park, right? And basically, like, Chinatown and the Filipino nations and then Waikiki, basically all in one, like, street. And I'm walking for, like, five miles leaving that skate park and that chick calls me she's like where are you at what are you doing i'm like i'm in hawaii i'm in chinatown she's like i'm in waikiki i'm like what she's like yeah i'm in waikiki so like i actually met all her crew like in waikiki we stole beer we i almost got arrested um (laughs) they let me go because i was uh oh i wasn't from hawaii you know, like they, they like the police treated like tourists. Like, yo, they did that to you and me and Hood. We were uh, we yeah. were in Hawaii and we were drinking forties on this beach that you weren't allowed to have glass or alcohol. And uh, yeah, same under story. I was yeah. underage and so was Hood. I think you were twenty one. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, give us your IDs, and we all handed them uh, our Nashville IDs, and they were like, they just took our forties, and they were like, all right, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like the same thing kind of happened, like. All right, I had a, like, remember they had Mickey's 40s? 
Yeah. So I had a bunch of Mickey's forties. Like th- that wasn't that wasn't happening over at Nashville. Like like Mickey's was like no longer. And I remember when we discovered Mickey's forties there, we were like, oh my god, hell yeah! So like I don't know, it was kind of like a treasure. Uh, yeah. So I'm like piling Mickey's in my pants, and they're all getting arrested. I'm just walking with this chick, and like it literally falls out my pants. And I just pretend it doesn't happen. And another one falls out my pants and I just pretend it doesn't happen. And like the dude pulls up on his uh, little four wheel drive. And he's like, yo, you dropping beer. I see you, you know, show me your idea. And yeah, everyone got arrested except for me. <laughs> but yeah, I ended up, uh, ended up seeing that chick again, man. They were all squatting at this dude's uh, apartment on Waikiki. It's pretty cool. Yo, I'm gonna say there's a couple things you did leave out of the St. Louis story. Uh, one, that hotel with the with the pimp, like that was legitimately the only like when like people say crack motel and they just say it like disparagingly for a bad hotel, but that one was like people were serving crack at the hotel like right outside the door. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and, why. Like, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Important, like, important part right before we left because I had dipped off from you to go to the uh, the fireworks show at the arches or at the uh, St. Louis Arch. Oh, I then, forgot about that. And wow. then the, those those girls ended up getting tased in the street by the police while you were with them, and I'd already left. And I remember you just came walking up, and you were like, "Yo, man, those girls got tased. Let's drive home." <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot about that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Jesus, dude, I'm sorry. Like that that wasn't an adventure, though. Like that was cool. Um, Yo, it's, man. It's, it's, a funny, it's a funny thing, like that. You know, it takes a lot of people to like rehash memories we've done so much, you know, it's like, like I was in a band called the dragon park kids and, and people still today, they're like, yeah, I remember like I met you at dragon park. Uh, you were smoking opium and you, you made me smoke opium for the first time. I'm like, what? And you started like uh, doing poetry and like, we were so fascinated with you. And I was like, well, man, like, uh, are you sure that was me? Yeah, <laughs> like, I've yeah, never met you before you. in my life. <laughs> you're, the, you're the dragon park kid. I'm like, man, like, I don't, I don't like to have that, like that stigma on me, but at the same time, like, I guess we did live there and we did, we did a lot. We skated a lot and we did a lot of adventures and All away from home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you actually, uh, you, you, you did bring up that trip to Hawaii, man, which brings me to like, to my next thing, which is, it goes back to, uh, old Nashville and like more Nashville stuff. And I know a lot of people that that are outside of Nashville. They're not, they don't know the name John hood. But uh, here in Nashville, he was basically a skateboarding legend and a great artist and a good friend of ours. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, what's your favorite John Hood story? And there's, I know there's a lot, but. First thing well said about John Hood. Um, you know, honestly, I think the first time I met him, that's my favorite story. It was you and I, we were sitting at International Market and I think we just skated. We were going to skate some more, just eating some food. And you're like, hey, do you mind my friend John comes around? Come skate, skate with us. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's cool, whatever. And I remember seeing him walk up and he sat down and he was like, what's up? And like instantly he was just a part of the crew. And then he just ended up just being a ripper, man. And he, he loved, he's a dreamer, he's a poet, he's an artist. And he was just, he just had that just kind of, like carefree flow, artistic flow about him and the way he skated and the way he lived life. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to talk about John Hood because he was like one of my best friends that passed away. And 
Yeah. His, his mom is, uh, I, I stay connected with Lynn. Um, she worked actually on the dragon park, uh, dragon. And that was really, really cool. It was really cool to see that she was still doing art. Um, I have so many stories about John hood. We made t-shirts together. I remember, yeah, like back to Chinatown in Hawaii. I remember like we skated all the way down from Waikiki to Chinatown and I was beat, man. I was beat. And, and he just like, these kids in Hawaii could rip, man. They were just tearing up the part, just like doing all kinds of tricks. And like, I was like, man, I don't know if I can compete with this, man. You know, like, I don't want to get laughed at. And we would just sit there and watch John just flow with them, man. It was really cool. That was one like, thing about uh, Hood, man. It was that you could skate with him for two years or three years and like a lot, like skate with him every week and then go skating one day and he would do some new shit and you'd be like how the how did you you've been able to do that this entire time too like it's like he could do anything yeah he was kind of he kind of found that uh, meditative place to where like anything can be done he was like very zen about his art and skating yeah like i don't know if for people who i don't know him like john hood was uh i think manic depressive that involved with his he he also had a medical problem with his sugar being diabetic, his sugar being high and being low. So I think that could trigger like mania and also uh, depressiveness. But when he was balanced, he was really centered and he really uh, just he'd blow your mind with anything. Um, yeah. With that said, like uh, I've had like a lot of problems with him skating uh, personally, just. Just because, like, he would, he, he kind of, you know, like, you know, skateboarding culture, people go off the rails. Um, I think I hit you even once, man. I think we were in Dragon Park and we were drinking. I think I punched you in the face. Do you remember that? <laughs> man, I've been hit in the face so many times, dude, but you did it too. <laughs> yeah. Like, you it's like you were saying, man, so much shit has happened. I don't remember. I don't even remember, dude. Yeah. We're opening Likely. a Pandora's box of memories, man. Like, like you, you just came at me and, like, uh, I was doing a trick and I just like landed like really wrong and like I was kind of pissed and you just can't, you know, you were mad about something and like you came at me and I just like punched you in the face and you fell back and then you came at me again and they're like, wait a minute, I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's cool. We hugged. Like it was one of those things. Um, I mean, honestly, dude, I've, I've gotten we in a fight kids. with almost all my homies at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it's kind of like one of those things like, like we were just kids, you know, like we we're, we're, honestly were like little skate punks, man. And Going back to John Hood, man, like I remember, remember so many things, so many things. Uh, one of my best memories, I think, was day one in Hawaii where we were <laughs> we were so lost because we were staying in Kailua. Remember that? Well, oh, when we were staying with uh, at Shannon's house? Yeah, yeah. We were staying at Kailua and we kind of forgot where we were staying. And I think we were saying uh, Kailua. They're like, hey, do you know where Kailua is? <clears throat> and, and John Hood was like, hey, man, do you know where Kailua is? <laughs> and people would look at us like we're crazy and like Kahlua is a Hawaiian drink right so like people were like thinking that we were like asking for a freaking alcoholic beverage you know like hey man can we get some Kahlua <laughs> you know you know what Kahlua is yeah it was we were completely lost for like a whole day but the, hold on oh okay, the best story the best story is when we hooked up with those surfers right you weren't there 
Well, actually, you were there, but you were in the apartment with the surfers. We went surfing all day, and we linked up with these surfer chicks, and they were awesome. Uh, we took them home, and so when we took them home, we put their boards on top of the car. Oh, yeah. And we let the boards go to bring them up to the apartment, and we were hanging out, drinking beer, smoking dope, whatever, doing what kids do. And they're like, hey, get some more beer. And you're like, okay, yeah. John Hood and I left and we drove away and we did not strap the boards. We did not tie them tight. And John Hood and I just rolling down the interstate trying to get beer. And these surfers are like, yo, man, your boards, bro. And we're like, yeah, man, we're sick. Whatever, cool, bro. <laughs> They're like, no, your boards are back there, man. And we're like, oh, shit. And we borrowed that board that we're staying at. We didn't even buy it. We stole it. We stole it because they were like, rule number one, never surf this board. And we were like, okay, yes, sir. After like three days, we're like, we took that board. (laughs) And that was the board that flew off of the interstate. And I remember like, oh my God. I like, there was like a a truck coming for that board. And it was sitting in the middle of the interstate. I was like, I'm going to die saving this board. And I ran out and grabbed it. And it was cracked already. It was like the nose was off. And we took it to Kimo's surf shop. Yeah, Kimo's surf shop. I remember that. For all those Hawaiians that are listening out there, support Kimo. He saved her life. He was like, yeah, bro, I, you know, just a hundred bucks, man. And, and fixed it up perfectly. And that was like the last money we like even had. Like we probably had like 30 bucks each. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we left that, when we left Hawaii, I had like twenty bucks left to my name. <laughs> yeah, that was that was insane, man. That was <laughs> oh, talk about karma, man. Because we were not supposed to take that board at all. They were like, "Don't take this board." What do you do? Don't take that board. You can stay here, drink all the beer you want, but just don't take that surfboard. And we took that. <laughs> we took it, man. We took it, and it flew on an interstate. Oh man, hold up. It's time to reach into the mailbag. Every week on my views are my own, we reach into the mailbag to see if anyone has written a letter to the show. And then we read it out loud on the episode. This week's letter comes from Mistress Ava. Mistress Ava wrote, are you a submissive? Well, Mistress Ava, I gotta say, I have an almost pathological inability to follow directions from anyone, but I'm sure you're going to be a really great dominatrix and have a great career. So thanks for writing to the show. Now back to the interview. All right, wow. man. You know, it looks like I've written way more questions than we're going to have time to get to, but uh, I do want to jump in here real quick because, you know, I brought up a couple of uh, Nashville legends, especially in skateboarding. And, but I want to ask you, man, if there's a, if you want to give a shout out to another Nashville Levin legend that uh, I haven't brought up yet. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to Matt Bach, man. Matt Bach is a national legend that kind of flies under the radar. He doesn't have social media at all, but he's actually the lead guitarist for our band. Black Light Velvets. Um, he rips like slash from guns and roses. He's amazing. He's had the rehearsal space studio that we play in since 1995. He's kind of like the mother hen of everyone. And he's just, just a beautiful soul, man. He, he, he's just a beautiful musician and he's very humble. Um, he used to play with Dave Cloud, Gospel Power. He's played with the Dead Boys, which is a, a punk band 
back in the CBG D days. Like, you know, just like he's, he's all over the map. He's just a great talented person. Definitely shout out to him. Word, man. Uh, and then talking about bands, dude, like, let's go back a little bit. This is not all the way back to old Nashville. This is going to be like the interim. And this is a band that you and I were in together. Uh, can you just, uh, maybe just tell everybody a little bit about dub poet society? Like, right on. Cause, cause, yeah. cause you, you invented that band dude. And then I joined it after you made it up. Man, I, I wish I could remember. Like, uh, I think I was just making beats and I kind of got tired of playing rock and roll and like not making any money. And I think maybe you and I scored a gig like doing, yeah, playing a club and sort of making beats for that. And it was like, we'll pay you like 300 bucks to play this club. We played it and yeah. Like basically I was just the one just making beats and like, I loved what you were doing. Um, you had a lot of good, uh, just raps and just, we had a lot of good hooks. It just kind of one of those things that we connected and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it got kind of crazy. <laughs> um, definitely a crazy time in my life because my dad passed away and I had a business, a pizza business. Um, I was definitely drinking way too much, but yeah, it, it made for good shows. Like that one story you're, you're telling, uh, Jen Cooley, I want to correct you. All right. Um, that's one thing I want to do. Like from the interview, Jen Cooley, cause she was part of the Dead Society. We went to that festival. You, <laughs> wow. Okay. We got pushed back, pushed back. I think they might've drugged us possibly. Like, uh, yeah, possibly, man. That did seem like, cause that's the thing is I've never forgotten my lyrics before ever. And I was like, dude, I've just been drinking. Like how the fuck? <laughs> yeah. We were like in a TP drinking and like, this is the most shady festival I've ever seen in my life. Um, and you jumped up and you, your foot went through the stage and then you just like, from my perspective, you bolted. And next thing I know, like Jen Cooley throws a beer and hits like a pregnant person, <laughs> a pregnant lady. And I, I, I look at Justin and at the time, Justin was like managing us or like driving us or I don't know. He was, he was always like doing behind the scenes stuff. I was like, get the van now, man. And he literally leaves and gets the van and pulls up through the crowd and we all pile in the van and we bolt. That's, that's, a, that's a hard because I think everyone's got a different memory of this story, man. Because because you and Jen stayed on like after I I mean I did dip out I left the stage, but you and Jen stayed on stage for like another thirty minutes because I went off and walked into, into some giant teepee with a bunch of like crazy people with like just like a bunch of like dready people with like automatic weapons and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it was. There's definitely a lot of cocaine and Molly and and. I, honestly i got like the whole pedophile vibe <laughs> like, it was really weird yeah dude all those uh runaway kids at that festival yeah yeah it was like we walked in the manson family festival it was really crazy <laughs> we definitely would not have been welcomed back because i remember when we finally i guess i don't know if justin was driving or you were driving but when we finally were leaving the festival it was like muddy. We, we were like spinning out in like the mud and you were like fuck you manson family and then we just drove off like <laughs> yeah i was the one driving back um because justin i was like grab my gear like i remember that and like um one of the, like the best shows for double society i remember like also another crazy one is that we played this one show that was downtown um i think they paid us like 300 dollars. we got a lot of people out there and 
my dog just passed away, I think, or something like that. It was like, and I, I just remember like feeling, oh no, actually, sorry. Like my dog is weird. My dog passed away and then my dad passed away. So I was, I was dealing with a lot of grief and they were like, Hey, we'll give you a free tequila. Um, play this show 300 bucks. It was, it was an awesome show. And the sound guy walked away and we couldn't get any vocals. And I, I picked up the PA, the monitor that was on the stage and I was about to throw it. And the guy walks in, he's like, Whoa, 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 stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. What the hell? I'm like, where the hell are what the fuck are you then? You know? Yeah, because we're on stage and, with no no vocals. Yeah, exactly. In the middle like, of the everyone's show. Everyone's booing. Like, what the hell, man? And he's like, sorry. And we're just kind of like over it. And everyone starts like doing uh, skateboard tricks off the stage. And it just becomes like the like, ultimate mayhem. We get paid. We go upstairs to the club. We end up drinking all night. We get in the van. We go to this girl's house. And this midget pops up behind the couch like at 6 a.m. She's like, what's up, bitches? And I was like, oh, my God, where'd she come from? Nobody knew where she came from. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it like, just hitched, like hitched a ride in the van and like nobody knew because you guys had that crazy van, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin, uh, I think like after like a couple of weeks, Justin admitted that like he made out with her in the van and she passed out. And then when we got in the van, we didn't realize she was passed out because she was a little person, you know? And then she woke up and came in the house and just kind of like, yeah, it's like, what's up? We're like, whoa, what's going on? Dude, so was, there's so many, well, uh, like, Dub Poet Society, I would say, like, would be like the wildest band that I was in just for like, just because, you know, when you started that story and you're like, we went to go play a club and they gave us 300 bucks and there was a bunch of bullshit, like, the first thing I was thinking about was this, like another fucking club downtown with the same exact deal and the bouncers wouldn't let me in like because I had left and I came back and I was like I had to be on stage in 15 minutes I was like because I hadn't I hadn't stayed in the, in the green room I just left and they had these like gnarly ass bouncers and like a off-duty cop and they're like you can't fucking come in this club looking like that and I was like dude the club owner is paying me to be here I have to be on stage in 15 minutes and they're like fuck you get the fuck out of here you can't be and it was it was insane dude and i had to like i had to call you you had to get the owner to come out and tell the fucking bouncers to like fuck off so i could come in and even play the show dude wow i don't remember that <laughs> i don't remember that at all man. That's, that's how crazy it was man um I, I remember like you hit a bouncer at one point i don't know if the, that show or, or like just us hanging out i remember let's go to like goth night and throwing each other down the stairs <laughs> yeah i remember but, that yeah. one man <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that point society was wild, man. Like uh, it was, it was cool. We definitely were onto something. Uh, it never really kind of came to fruition, but it was really a fun time. That's that's what it's about. Man. Was had by all for sure, man. And uh, yeah, there's a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of reggae, a little bit of chill, a lot of rap, a lot of craziness. I mean, that was the definitely, thing about that band. Rock and roll. There were times when that band had like 12 members. At a certain, certain points, <laughs> I know, I know, and actually, that band was uh, part of the revival of uh, Melrose uh, Billiards when it got flooded in the National Flood. I think that yeah, we talked to the owner, and we said, "Hey, we'll get a lot of people down here," and we kind of started that whole thing back up again. And I love that like, dude because a lot of good things. We went down there, and they they had a 
uh, he passed away, man, but he was a, a British dude who was the uh, bartender there. And we walked up and we sat down to the bar and we were like, yo, man, let's get, let us, uh, let us get two blueberry lemon drops. And the curse went, of the blueberry <laughs> lemon drop. That's a real thing, he went, man. He went, blueberry <laughs> lemon drops. Like he was disgusted with us. And I know. He him, and he gave it to us. We shot him. And then I was like, yo, man, let me get two more blueberry lemon drops. <laughs> I know. It was so crazy, man. You want what? Blueberry lemon drops with your little skirts. And he just, and he walked away. And we were like looking at like, oh, shit. Like, I don't think he's going to serve us. And then he comes back and slams it down. He's like, there you go, gals. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I have another story about the blueberry lemon drops curse. Like, it's, it's literally a curse. We go to Coops in uh, New Orleans. Uh, uh, the bass player for the Screaming Delta Demon, he's never been to New Orleans, never been to a strip club. I take him to a strip club. I think I dropped like $200. This is like at 10 a.m. too. Um, <laughs> we're, so this is how it, like, the whole thing starts off. Like, like strip club, 10 a.m., drinking whiskey you know, dropping a lot of money. And we go to, we end up at Coops that's on uh, Bourbon Street. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey man, like, thanks so much like for dropping a lot of money, you know, buying me shots. He's like, can I get you anything? And I was like, pretty much done drinking. Um, you know, it, I, I just hit the wall. And I was like, man, just give me something just like, just sugary, whatever, you know. And he's like, do you want a blueberry lemon drop? And I was like, yes, that sounds great. <laughs> so he goes over there and to the bar. He asks for a blueberry lemon drop. And Bram, he lives in New Orleans at the time. And he's standing there. He's like probably seven feet tall. He's like, hey, Dom, like, I think something's gone at the bar. I'm like, oh, shit. And I look over and Drew and the bartender are holding each other at the collars, about to punch each other in the face. And I'm like, Oh shit! Everybody, chill the hell out. And the bartender was like, "He he wanted us to make blueberry lemon drops." <laughs> and Drew was like, "I don't know what's wrong with that." <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know what's wrong with that either." Why don't you make blueberry lemon drops? He's like, "You guys are pussies." I'm like, "Well, you guys are dicks." Yo, dude, I can't I can't even tell you how many times I've gone up to a bar like some gnarly ass shitty dive bar and asked for a blueberry lemon drop just because like. Fuck it, man. They're good. <laughs> yeah, they're good, man. They're like, and just being like complete asshole. Just like, we're not going to make blueberry lemon drops here in this bar. Get out of this fucking town. Get out. It was one of those things like, get out of the country, you know? Yeah. You don't belong here. And I remember like we left the bar um, and they slammed the door. And I forgot that I put my slushy, uh, the whole Everclear shit slushy, just like huge, huge, like, drink you'd get a full of alcohol i put it up on top of the door and so when they slammed the door it just like exploded on their door like red uh fuck so, they yeah. Get, man yeah yeah All don't right. be an asshole man yo dude we're coming to the end of our time but i can't let it go without doing the lightning round man you know uh you know uh now at the end of every episode we do a lightning round <clears throat> so uh what i'll do is i'm just going to give you a series of questions and then you answer them as quickly as you can without thinking, just straight gut reactions. Okay? Gut. Cool. And this is going to be kind of like, kind of like uh, a best of Nashville, since we've been talking about like old Nashville, new Nashville, all that shit. It'll be like in that theme. Mm -hmm. So this could be like things that still exist or uh, even things that no longer exist, but were once a part of Nashville. And, you know, so 
I'll ask you like, what, what was the best thing? And it can be something that's here or something that's gone. And that's, it does, it's irrelevant, you know? Cool. Cool. Lightning round, man. All right. <clears throat> best music venue of all time in Nashville. Springwater. Springwater? All yes, right. definitely. All right. Best bar. Ooh, it just closed down. Gold Rush. Gold right Rush. Now, is, that's really the correct know. answer, man. Uh, all right, man. This is a hard one, but uh, best rapper to come out of Nashville. Dang. I really don't know. I, don't, I mean, we played with Block Stompers. I mean, they were cool, man. I don't know. Like, you're not just gonna go with I don't, the, I don't keep up with that world as much as that like I should. So yeah. You could just say really Young Buck. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Hold on. Young Buck. He, I, I was uh I was getting my paycheck at this ghetto club and Young Buck was playing that night and he walked in and he thought I owned the club and he talked to me for probably about like ten minutes, like asking me about like, you know, like what time you should go on. And he was just like kind of pretty drunk and he was just going on and on. And I just like, was like, yeah, man, like I'm just picking up my paycheck. I don't own this bar. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so like, you like, the, you were like the, like the bar back. Right. And like young buck came in and was like asking you like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was bar backing then, but also like uh, I ran the VIP room with uh, this guy in uh, VIP Mike. I um, mean, <laughs> wow. He was a shady guy. Uh, yeah. Basically, one time, all right, quick story. I'm backstage, VIP, juvenile. Back that ass up, juvenile. He's there. He's smoking a blunt with like 20 dudes. They all have individual blunts, by the way. They don't share. They are all smoking their individual blunts. And boom, 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 boom. This is the police. Open up. And I'm like, shit, I have to open up this door. And I look at Juvenile, and he was like, whatever, you know. Like, I can't understand anything he says. And hold on, just the mental image. Juvenile is pretty much as tall as me. He's like 6'4". Uh, he's wearing a lime green dicky shirt down to his ankles, lime green pants past his ass, and like Timbo's, smoking a blunt. And I open the door. The cops come in like the SWAT team. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to get arrested. And the cop is like, which one of you is juvenile? And juvenile's like, there's me. I'm juvenile. <laughs> and like, he's like, can you sign this for my daughter? And like, kidding not, there's blunt smoke everywhere. You can't even see. Dude signs that shit. Cops leave. Literally had a heart attack. All right, man. Okay. Uh, back to the lightning round, dude. Shit. Uh, <laughs> We're coming into the end, dude. All right. Best restaurant to get vegetarian food? Uh, Wild Cow. Yeah, no doubt. Wild Cow. I like uh, Sunflower Cafe, too. All right. Uh, best film to come out of Nashville? Gummo. Gummo. Gummo for life. Gummo, man. <laughs> Shout out Jacob Sewell, uh, Bunny Boy, man. Yeah, right. Jacob Sewell. Yeah. Dave Cloud. Uh, I mean, they're yeah, we all know him. Uh, best celebrity to come from Nashville. Yeah, I would say Dave Cloud. Yeah, for sure. That's or uh, what's that? What's that comedian dude, man? Uh, Chris Crofton, man. Chris Crofton. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. I love him. All right, and uh, best podcast to come out of Na Nashville. 
your podcast like that. Like, <laughs> There's only one right answer, my man. My views are my own, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. War dude. Hey, uh, dude, could you send me a copy of Take It to the Top from Dub Poet Society and I'll play it as the outro for this? Yeah, I can. Um, shit, I'm trying to think, man. Like, I think I might have it on CD or I don't even know where it is. Like, like I said, I, just, I found like a 500 CDs or whatever. Like, I'm just trying to go through them all. Well, uh, I'll just like, uh, we'll find it somehow, man. And I'll just let everybody know that like, this is a song that you and I made for Dub Poet Society. And it's like back when we were some, some young bucks, it's a little hip hop. It's a little grungy. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I want to say Dominic, man, thanks for coming on the show, dude. It's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much, man. I love you. I love your show and I'm proud of you. Love you too, man. singer in a rock and roll band they don't know why and they don't understand what it means to me to take it to the top to leave this little town and make the world rock when I was a kid, always going to the shows I listened to the music all day on my stereo One day I found a mic and put it in my hands And shouted to the world, time to make the party dance When I took the stage, I went into a trance We don't wanna hurt nobody, we don't want no ambulance You can hear it in our songs, you can see it in our eyes We're no corporate puppet party people in disguise We take it to the top, we take it to the top We take it to the top to make the beat drop we take it to the top we take it to the top we take it to the top to make the beat drop i want to be a singer in a rock and roll band they don't know why and they don't understand what it means to me to take it to the top it was my number one dream to travel across the land Maybe in an RV or a plane or train or van In the snowy winter or in the summer sun Nobody can stop me, I must be the champion When I was growing up I went through many different phases So now I open up my heart when I hit the stages I will flow until I'm done, love to everyone Cause life is very fun and I've only just begun we take it to the top, we take it to the top, we take it to the top to make the beat drop. We take it to the top, we take it to the top, we take it to the top to make the beat drop. I want to be a singer in a rock and roll band. They don't know why and they don't understand what it means to me to take it to the top. To leave it to the top.